Today, I'd like you to turn with me to the second chapter of Acts. Pastor George examines how Jesus embodied the hope of the Old Testament that we have been talking about for the past several weeks. Let's listen together. Our current sermon series is entitled Dimensions of Hope. And in our first two weeks, the last two sermons, uh, we have looked at hope in the Old Testament to become familiar with the richness of its meaning as it is expressed through several different Old Testament Hebrew words. And that language and that culture and the experience of the Israelite people in being God's chosen covenant people has given us an understanding of the, the depth of, of hope as it was experienced then. Now we've seen that this Hebrew Jewish hope of the Old Testament was not the kind of hope that we talk about in our everyday American language. That iffy, wispy, slim chance thing that we talk about when we say, well, I hope so. I can't quite cross my fingers, but rather this is something really solid and sure <clears throat> because it's backed by God himself. As we turn to the New Testament today, uh, what will we find there? Well, after Jesus' resurrection and ascension into heaven, the believers were gathered in Jerusalem for the Pentecost festival. And there was a great deal of excitement. There was a lot of excitement in the city because it was the Pentecost season and many people from out of the area came. But also, this little band of believers in Jesus were especially excited, talking about his resurrection and his ascension. And then it displayed itself in the excitement in their lives, and it attracted attention. So they came together, and Peter stood up and preached what is known as the first sermon of the church in Acts chapter 2. We're going to read that sermon because he talks about hope and gives it new meaning. Beginning with verse 22. You that are Israelites, listen to what I have to say. Jesus of Nazareth, a man. We're starting with just a flesh and blood man here. Someone you know from a town that you know. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders, and signs that God did through him among you, as you yourselves know. This man handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. See, God never gave up control. You crucified and killed by the hands of those outside the law. But God raised him up, having freed him from death because it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Death could not hold him. So now David, the psalmist and the king of Israel, but known for the psalms that he left behind, 
Uh, and there begins a quote from Psalm 16, which is the psalm that we talked about two weeks ago. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before him, for he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. Moreover, my flesh will live in hope. Notice again the combination of ideas here. Flesh, it's a man, Jesus. It's flesh, it's on the, this country, this land. And it, so it's all connected with our real lives. This is not esoteric dreamsville. But my flesh, David said, will live in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One experience corruption. So there are two ways of talking about death. The soul goes to Hades, part of the folk religion beliefs of the Old Testament. Or let your Holy One, the one who is the subject of your grace and love, uh, experience corruption. Well, um, and then he keeps going. You have made known to me the ways of life and you will make me full of gladness with your presence. So this hope in the flesh that David had was an expanding hope. It was, uh, it resulted in a life of gladness in the presence of God, not just getting by, but Peter says in discussing this text, verse 29, fellow Israels, I may say to you confidently of our ancestor David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Okay, this David who said in full hope and assurance, my flesh will not see corruption, he's dead. And you know that he's dead because his tomb is right here. Since he was a prophet, well, we know him as a king and we know him as a writer of Psalms. But in this case, Peter says, uh, David was being a prophet. He was saying something that was true beyond himself. And he said it of himself, but he really was not talking about himself. Listen to what Peter says. Since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would put one of his descendants on the throne. Foreseeing this, David spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah. Remember, Jesus was born in the city of David, a descendant of David. And he, Peter, is now building to a claim that this Jesus is the prom promised Messiah who David was talking about back there when he talked about hope beyond the grave. For uh, this Jesus, excuse me, foreseeing this, David spoke of the resurrection of Messiah saying, he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh experience corruption. That was not true of David, but it is true of his descendant, the Messiah, this Jesus. And so he quotes again from the psalm, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. This is really from another psalm. 
And then verse 36, therefore, his commentary, let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. Uh, that was pretty powerful. Uh, David talked about hope beyond the grave. David did not experience it. Was he a false prophet? No. He was foreseeing what would happen to his descendant, this Jesus whom you crucified and is now risen from the dead. This gives a whole new meaning to biblical hope. Peter's sermon makes clear that Jesus' resurrection and conquering of death has a profound effect on the meaning of hope for believers. Jesus Christ and the dimensions of hope, the Jewish hope, rich Hebrew hope tradition. This should be visual right now. Okay, so that slide should be up, Dale. There you go. Jesus Christ and the dimensions of hope. The Jewish hope. Peter reminds him of that. And, and now he expands it. And he teaches something wonderful out of that. And this is the connection with the fulfillment in Jesus. Okay? Now, about three decades later, the Apostle Paul, in a sermon that he preached, recorded in uh, Romans chapter 15, this, the Apostle Paul made reference to the Old Testament scriptures, again alluding to Psalm 16, but going beyond that, look in Romans 15, 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. All those Old Testament scriptures, David, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, they were all written for you guys, for us right now, <clears throat> so that we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement. See, this is the Old Testament hope. It's not just, oh, I hope so hope. This is the hope that it comes from the God of steadfastness and encouragement May he grant you to live in harmony with one another. Now, Paul is speaking, as we'll see, about harmony between the Jewish believers, traditional believers in the church, and the new Gentiles who are coming into the church. That you two guys would live in harmony because you now have the same hope. Verse 6, so that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, verse seven, therefore with just, uh, welcome one another therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. He's welcomed you Jews, they already, these Jewish believers knew that, but now he's also welcomed these Gentiles. For I tell you that God has become a servant of the circumcised, that's the Jewish people, on behalf of the truth of God in order that he might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. So this 
hope through Christ comes to you and to you. And it is powerful hope and it is multi-dimensional hope. And then he uses uh, several Old Testament passages to show that the idea that the gospel would come to the Gentiles was not a new idea, but it was throughout the Old Testament, if you look at it correctly. And so he quotes from Psalm 18, and this is recorded in verse 9 uh, of Romans 15. Therefore, I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again, verse 10, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And this is a quote from Deuteronomy. And he says again in verse 11, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. Another psalm. And then verse 12. And again, Isaiah said, and this is a quote from Isaiah 11, the root of Jesse, Jesse, ancestor of David, the root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles shall what? Hope. So this Old Testament hope, rich in confidence, steadfastness, based on the very presence of God, now is also assured to the Gentiles. And the one who makes all of this clear is Jesus, said Peter on the day of Pentecost, said Paul three decades later as he explained all this to the Roman Christians. This Jesus is the fulfillment of the hope of the Old Testament. So what, Jesus, what Jewish people had emphasized as their private hope based on their relationship with their covenant God had been intended all along to be also the hope of the Gentiles, the nations, those outside the covenant. So we add to our, our slide, Jesus Christ and the dimensions of hope, it, he, he assures the Jewish people that their hope is now fulfilled. That whole rich Hebrew tradition focuses now through the words of David and the other prophecies on this one who has been killed by you and raised from the dead. He now guarantees the Jewish hope, but also the hope of the Gentiles, of all the nations of the world, equally available to all people. This is a wonderful extension of hope, magnification of hope. Turning back to our text, verse 13 is the culmination of all of this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow, this, this has got so much in it. These two phrases that Paul uses. First of all, the, the God of hope. The Jewish hope of the Old Testament, the Gentile hope manifested in the New Testament is based on the God of hope. And it is God's very character that gives us hope. It's God's very character that enables us to be sure of that which we hope for. So 
the hope that Paul is talking about here reinforces and personifies the Old Testament emphasis that the biblical hope is guaranteed by God himself, the God of hope. And this verse also, in this phrase, abounding in hope, this phrase also reemphasizes the many dimensions of hope in the phrase, abounding in hope. The many dimensions of hope. How many dimensions are there? We, uh, life is multidimensional. We live in a world in which there are three, but people talk about the fourth dimension and the fifth dimension and the sixth dimension. And some of them I understand and some I don't. Well, Einstein kind of made us believe that there are more dimensions than three, but Einstein didn't start it. Back in the 12th century, a man known as St. Anselm, an English uh, theologian, philosopher, scholar, uh, talked uh, very profoundly about the fourth dimension. And there were many who investigated this idea that there are more dimensions than three. But really, we know that the things that happen to us in life are in time and space, and we can see that, but somehow we feel that there's something bigger going on. And this is what, this is, what is true of hope. This hope is hope beyond the flesh. It is hope in the future, right? But it's also hope that's bigger than the present. It's hope that is beyond the dimensions that we touch and feel in our everyday lives. It is hope in the flesh that goes far, far beyond the flesh. It's, it's, it, it's, it's forward, but it's also upward and outward in all directions and dimensions. Now, I still, you know, some of the songs I learned as a kid and will never leave me, um, and uh, some of the songs I was taught in Sunday school are like that. And there was one that I remember, uh, found out this song was written by a guy by the name of Al Smith, who wrote a lot of popular, there would have been the praise songs of the day back in the 40s. And they became part of our, for God so loved the world. And he wrote that, he wrote some other things that we're very familiar with. But he wrote this song that I learned as a kid, and it goes like this. With eternity's values in view, Lord, with eternity's values in view, I'll live each day's work, I'll do each day's work for Jesus with eternity's values in view. As I look back on that, I said, what are you teaching a kid a song like that for? What does a kid know about eternity and values? I learned that as a little kid and I still remember. What, what was going through my mind? Kids really understand a lot more than we think they do, you know. And uh, I discovered that a first grade teacher up in the Bay Area, uh, his kids were just kind of learning to read and to identify words and letters and sentences. And so he posted this puzzle of the week for them. Can you see that? Okay, this was the puzzle of the week. I am the beginning of everything, the end of everywhere, in the beginning of eternity, 
the end of time and space. That's his puzzle. Well, he thought first graders would see that the beginning of everything is E, the end of everywhere is an E, the beginning of eternity is an E, the end of time and space is E, E. So the answer is the letter E. That's what kids should get out of that. Oh, nobody answered him at first, and then some kid raised his hand. He said, yet, yeah, Johnny, he said, uh, death. Death. He didn't expect that answer. This is on, online, I found this. And, 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 and then another kid said, not everything. That was his answer. Another kid said, all stuff. And another kid said, the end. And then somebody said, nothingness. Man, they were talking about head trippy stuff. They were going off in dimensions. Uh, children innately know that there's more to life than what you see and feel and touch. The three dimensions we experience in the flesh. That's why they were attracted to Jesus. Because they felt in him something bigger than the humans could offer. So children understand the hope that Jesus offers that lights them up even when they go through hard times, even when their parents may fail them. They can learn that God is there for them. That is basic Christian hope, which is big enough for anything we will ever experience it's magnified. It, it's the Old Testament hope is rich and profound, but through Jesus, that hope is made even more profound, more multidimensional, and it is a hope that you can never quite fathom. With eternity's values in view, Lord, may I live each day for Jesus with eternity's values in view. I want to have that kind of hope in my life. Not just hope that gets by the next question I face, but hope that gives me assurance there is no question that will ever be too big for the God who loves me and wraps me in his arms of love. Thank you, Jesus, for being our hope. Thank you for the the way in which you demonstrated that in, in coming into the world and, and speaking words which were so, so puzzling and so striking to people that they, that they killed you for it. And yet, you were speaking to our hearts, and you still do. And you planted in us the hope which no experience in life, not even death itself, can diminish. We pray, Lord, that you will increase our experience of this hope and help us not to make it a puny hope that just gets our wishes for tomorrow. But may it be that kind of hope which Peter and Paul and the apostles experienced, which enabled them to go to their death for what they believed in. We pray for those in our midst 
who are facing their own mortality. And we pray that they may have a flash of that kind of hope right now that will encourage them to see you in a new way and to trust you in a new way. In Jesus' name, amen. We meet in Altadena every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific, both in the sanctuary and on YouTube. Most other events will be starting up soon, but if you need prayer now, please reach out to us at altabapprayer at aol.com. And again, as always, we pray God's blessings on you this week.